Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. Since Easter is in just a few days, it seems like a really good time to look at Mary, Jesus' mother, who lost her son as a criminal being falsely accused. In case this is your first time joining us in the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast, right now we are in a series on parents in the Bible who have lost a child. And I felt it would be important to talk about Mary, but honestly, I didn't think there would be very much to say. But as I started studying this out, I became more and more amazed at how much really is in the Word that we can learn from Mary as someone who lost her child. Now, Mary did not have an easy life. And when you think about it, it was all because God gave her Jesus as her son. Now, let's, let's walk through this. When she became pregnant with Jesus, she and Joseph weren't married, and being a pregnant woman with no husband left her at the mercy of being stoned to death in that time and that culture. The Bible tells us when she was heavy with child or fully pregnant, she was forced by law to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which was around an 80 to 90 mile journey of hills. This was because of the census. So because she was engaged to Joseph, they had to travel for the census. And the transportation at that time wasn't like what we have it today. I know we see pictures at Christmas time of Mary on a donkey. The Bible doesn't say that. It's just kind of an assumption. If she's nine months pregnant, she's not going to be walking 80 or 90 miles. The city was so crowded when they got there. There weren't any hotel rooms available. And someone out of kindness offered his barn out back is pretty much what it was. Here's another thought. If Bethlehem is where Joseph had to go for the census, it means that all of his family had to go there also. So where were they in all of this? Why didn't Joseph's family make sure that he and Mary were taken care of? Could it be maybe that they were ostracized as a couple because of Mary becoming pregnant out of wedlock and instead of Joseph putting her away or having her stoned, which he had legal rights to do, he married her anyway to raise this illegitimate child as his own. It could be that their families had abandoned them because of this. And it seems like that the first visitors, here Mary's having her first baby, her first child, and you don't hear about the visitors being Mary's mom or Joseph's mom. It was a bunch of smelly shepherds, not siblings, not who you would think of as your typical first visitors having a baby, especially your first baby. And in this stable, this barn where the animals were housed, is where Mary gave birth to her very first baby. This doesn't sound too great, a great way to start, does it? <laughs> I mean, your first baby, and these are the circumstances surrounding it. It wasn't very easy. Now, Mary's husband, Joseph, passed at some point, probably before Jesus's ministry. And the reason that it seems that way is because Joseph is not included in any scriptures beyond 
when Jesus was 12 years old. The story of Jesus staying behind and being in the temple, talking to the leaders there. So the next time we see Jesus after that story, we see Jesus with his family at a wedding, and it was with his mother and his brothers. Here's another thought. Jesus had at least six siblings. Did you know that? We can read in Matthew 13, 55 and Mark 6, 3. It talks about Jesus's mother and his brothers. Here's Matthew 13, 55. And people are saying here, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. So here we have a list of four names of brothers, and it says all his sisters. So we know there were at least two sisters, which means that Mary at some point became a widow with at least seven children, with Jesus being the oldest. Here's another thing. Now, I'm still talking about Mary had kind of a rough life. We don't think about this. It started with being told she was going to have God's son, but it put her in a very dangerous and difficult journey. So here's another thing. Jesus's brothers were not believers in who he was. And that must have been so hard for Mary. If you have siblings that are at odds with each other, it's hard. It's really, really hard. And think about Mary. She knows, she knows that she knows that she knows that this is God's son. And her other children didn't believe it. I want to look at John chapter 7 and read just that little bit to you. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. I can't imagine what that was like for Mary. That must have been so hard. In Mark chapter 3, this is an interesting scripture, starting at verse 20. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. I'm reading from the NIV version, another version called The Voice. That scripture says, When Jesus' family heard about this craziness, they went to drag him out of that place, saying to each other that Jesus has lost his mind. Another version says, They went out to constrain him, for they were saying, He is crazy. I, I just can't imagine what that was like for Mary to have her children at odds with each other like this with Jesus. Now, in that same chapter, down in verse 31, after it says that the brothers were coming, the family heard about what was going on, and they're going to come get Jesus because he's crazy, he's lost his mind, a little bit lower, starting in verse 31, when they arrived, they sent a message to him that they were there. And Jesus responded, who do you think are my mother and brothers? 
Looking around, taking in everyone seated around him, he said, right here, right in front of you, my mother and my brothers. Obedience is thicker than blood. The person who obeys God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Another version says, here are my true family members. For whomever does the will of God is my brother, my sister, and my mother. And it just makes me wonder, did that get back to Mary? I mean... We know that Jesus, everything he did was done in love, and, and he's expanding his family. I think he's trying to make a point here that God's family goes beyond just physical family. As we come into the blood of Jesus and we come into God's will and purpose and plan through Jesus, we become family. We all become family. But sometimes I think it sounds kind of harsh what he said. And it just makes me wonder, did that get back to Mary? Did that hurt her a little bit? Or did she understand what he was saying? I don't know. But it's just another piece of Mary's life in having Jesus as her son. And now let's think about here she is at the cross, watching her son being executed for a crime he did not commit. Think about this. Mary didn't know that Jesus was going to rise from the dead three days later. She didn't know that. When Jesus tried to tell his disciples, nobody got it. Nobody understood it. But here she is standing there watching her son die. I know we've looked at some scriptures here, but I want to kind of back up and take a little bit more time and look at Mary in more scriptures. Luke is the book that gives us the most details about the beginning of all of this. First of all, in Luke chapter 1, verse 18, after the angel came to her and explained everything to her, Mary's response was, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. She said, I am the Lord's servant. Have your way. It's, it's your will in my life. Most of us have made that same kind of declaration. At some point, we've said, I'm yours, Lord. Take my life. We've said, Jesus is Lord. And that's what Mary did. Now, the next thing we see is the exchange between Mary and Elizabeth while they're both pregnant. And there is a lot of excitement there. I think you're all familiar with the story where Mary's pregnant, and she goes to stay with her cousin Elizabeth for a while, finds out that Elizabeth is pregnant, and when they come together, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leapt because he sensed that the Spirit of God, that Jesus, was there. So Elizabeth gives this exciting, praising God proclamation, and then Mary also gives this song of proclamation of just her excitement and how blessed she is that she is carrying the Son of God who's going to be the Savior of the world. Mary says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things. Holy is his name. And she just goes on praising God for this blessing that she's been given. We already talked about the trials surrounding the birth of Jesus. She did not know what was coming. She did not know that things were going to be as difficult as they were. Twice, we're told 
that Mary pondered something. She thought deeply about or wondered about in her heart, within herself. She just held these things and thought about them or she treasured them. She kept something in her heart about Jesus. The first time was when the shepherds came, when Jesus was born. And they said, the angels came to us and told us that he had been born and we had to come find him. And And the scripture says that Mary pondered those things and treasured them in her heart. The second time we're told Mary did that is when Jesus was 12. It was when every year they followed the law of going to the temple for sacrifice. And when Jesus was 12, they went, they did their sacrifice, they're heading back home And they realized two days into the journey, I think it was two days into the journey, that Jesus wasn't with them. So Mary and Joseph had to go back into Jerusalem to find him. And there he was talking with the spiritual leaders, which was an amazing thing at 12. And he was amazing them with his questions and his discussions. And of course, he's he's chided for where were you? You know, why are you doing this? And Jesus says, well, don't you know, I have to be about my father's business. Well, this is another story, another time, another event in the life of Jesus where it says that Mary pondered those things. She treasured that in her heart. It was something that she kept thinking about. Now, there's something really important between those two events that we need to look at. And that is Anna and Simeon at the temple. When Jesus was dedicated there were two people there. There was an old woman named Anna who saw Jesus and recognized that he was the Messiah of the world and spoke things over him. And there was also a man named Simeon who was at the temple. God also told Simeon that he would not die until he saw the salvation of Israel. So when Mary and Joseph arrived with baby Jesus, God told him this is the Messiah. It's interesting what Simeon had to say. So he thanks the Lord for being able to see the glory of your people Israel, the salvation of Israel. And it says the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And it doesn't say that Mary pondered that, but I'm sure she must have. Now let's go on from here. We have all this information up to this point. We have Jesus being 12, and then we don't have anything until several years later. And we read in John chapter 2 about this wedding in Cana. And Jesus was there. His disciples were invited to be there. Jesus' mother was there, Mary, and this is where the first miracle happened. They ran out of wine for a family back then. That would have been a very shameful thing, a terrible way to start out their marriage. So for whatever reason, Mary turns to Jesus and says, they've run out of wine, Jesus, do something. And he said, it's not my time yet. And Mary turned to the servants and said, do whatever he tells you to do. I find it very interesting that Mary, Jesus's mother, is the one who, because she knew what was in her son, she drew out the first miracle. I, for years, I have prayed about that exchange. And I really, I still haven't figured out 
fully what's behind that. Why did Mary go find Jesus to tell him they were out of wine? Is it possible that this was a family's wedding and Jesus was the oldest son and so she she thought maybe he would do something as far as going getting some? I don't know. Jesus's response though was why is that my concern? It's not my time. Uh, it's it's not time for me to show who I am and show my power and what I can do. But Mary didn't take that as an answer. She knew he could do something about this. And I just find it interesting that it was Jesus's mom that drew that first miracle out of him. So now we are three years later, and we find Mary at the cross watching her son die. Nothing could prevent this mother from standing by her son to the very end. And I can't help but think that some of you listening have had the same experience of being with your sick child until they took their last breath. You know what that's like. And I know that everyone listening, if you could have been there, you would have been there. Now, like I said before, Mary didn't know that Jesus was going to rise again, that he was going to come back to life three days later. It was still a permanent loss of her son on earth when she watched him die. And that was actually confirmed at the foot of the cross when Jesus looked down. You can find this in John chapter 19. When Jesus looked down and he looked at his disciple John and he said, Mother, this is your son son, this is your mother. And it says that John took Mary into his home from that point on. So this was a permanent loss. This was this was a death of her son, and it was permanent. And it's also a confirmation, just a little tidbit here, I feel like that's also a confirmation that his brother still did not believe who Jesus was, because the next son in line should have been the one to take care of their mom. Jesus shouldn't have had to had one of his followers do that. But I believe Jesus wanted his mom cared for in a way that he himself would care for her. And when Jesus died, Mary felt the pain that Simeon told her she would have, the piercing sword of the grief of the death of your child. To think that Jesus was born for the purpose of dying. I mean, we know we're all going to die, but to be the mom of a child that the whole reason they were born was to die for somebody else. I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around that. I don't know about you. And I, I wonder, did Mary have thoughts as she's watching Jesus and after he's dead and she's being helped away? I'm sure she was crying and sobbing. Did she have some of the thoughts that we do? If only I had, or I should have. I think Mary might have been tortured by some of the same thoughts that we have been tortured by with the death of our children. And I used to think that, okay, so Jesus died, but three days later, he came back alive. We don't get that. But as I was studying this out, I realized that Mary still lost Jesus, her son, permanently from this earth because he was only back for 40 days and then he went to heaven and he was gone. He was gone from this earth and Mary would never see him again until she went to heaven to be with him. And I know we would love that chance, wouldn't we? I'd just take one day, one hour of having Becca back. We don't get to have that. But even though Mary did get to have, he was back on earth for 40 days, it was still ended up being a permanent loss for her. 
We may not be able to relate to Mary's exact unique grief, but she was a mom whose child died and left this earth for her remaining time here, which is something we can all relate to. And what about those first three days when Jesus was dead? Do you think that she spent time pulling up those memories of Jesus, the ones that were told that she pondered in her heart? And I just want to mention here that memories are all that we have now of our children. And at first, those memories can be so very painful, can't they? But I want to encourage you that it won't always be that way. It takes a while, but at some point, those memories will begin to warm your heart and make you smile. Thinking about your child won't be as painful as it is now if this is fresh for you. I am popping in here right now. If the audio sounds a little bit different, it's because I taped this podcast a couple nights ago and I'm hopping back in here. It is midday Palm Sunday and God has just given me a couple more thoughts about Mary that I want to slip in here before the rest of this continues. One thing is in thinking about today being Palm Sunday, I started wondering, this is Palm Sunday a week from now, Jesus had died five days from now, four days from now. He was taken by the Roman soldiers. The whole story, the whole Easter story that we're used to hearing and went through all that torture, died on the cross. And a week later, so here we are, Palm Sunday, and people are praising Jesus. Crowds are gathering. They're throwing down palm branches and jackets and Hosanna to the son of David. And within a few days, all of that changed, and everybody was against him to the point where he was crucified as a criminal. And it just made me think about us as grieving parents. We know how much can change in a week, don't we? One week, our child is here, and everything is good. And maybe even if our child is struggling, at least our child is here. And in a week's time, all of that changes, and they're gone I'm thinking Mary had to have had the same kind of thoughts that we do. How could this happen? Jesus was just here. Everything was good. People were praising him. And no one understood that Jesus came. He, it wasn't a physical reign. He wasn't here to overthrow the Roman government and take over. His reign is a spiritual reign, but nobody seemed to understand that until after his resurrection. And so I'm sure Mary had the same kind of questions and doubts. God, why did you give me this child? Why did you give me Jesus as your son? And now he's dead. I mean, just a few days ago, I thought everything was going the way it was supposed to go. Everything was fine. But all that changed in such a short amount of time. And I, I just think that's a, another way that we can relate to Mary. And the fact that, yes, Jesus rose again, and yes, he's in heaven, but she still watched him die. I got to thinking, was Passover every year a trigger for her? We have our triggers. We have all these times where we think about the last time I, I heard my child say, I love you, the last time I saw them alive, the last time we have all these last time thoughts. And I can't help but believe that Mary had those exact same things that we deal with. And then the other thing I was thinking about was how Jesus spent the three years of his ministry time. We see several scriptures where people were plotting to kill him. We see that in several scriptures. There were even attempts made. They went to go stone him, and he walked through the crowd. 
and walked out of there. And we read scriptures about how the spiritual leaders were trying to figure out how to kill him. And I especially think about Mary. How did that make her feel? knowing that there were people out there that wanted her son dead. And I can't help but think about, especially those of you who had children who struggled with addictions, and that constant worry and that constant fear and that constant anxiety, are they okay, where are they, during that time frame of knowing they had these issues and, and struggles and the time that they finally succumbed to those struggles. And so I just think that's another area that many of you as parents can relate to that as well. And so I just wanted to pop in with those two thoughts. And now we're going to go continue with what I recorded the other evening. I want to back up to a scripture that talks about Jesus's mother. It's an interesting scripture, and it's in Luke chapter 11, verse 27 and 28. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And he replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. In the voice translation, Jesus' reply says, Even more blessed are those who hear God's voice and make God's message their way of life. So, if we are like Mary and take this scripture to heart, ponder this, think about it, meditate it, pull it in deep. What is God's voice to us? When Jesus said, even more blessed are those who hear God's voice and make God's message their way of life, what is God's voice to us? What are some of the messages from Mary losing a child that we can apply to our way of life after the death of our own child? Well, I wanna share three things quickly that I see. First of all, healing and restoration within the family. Now, I hope you can agree with me after reading those scriptures that it shows that Jesus's brothers did not believe that Jesus was who he was all through his time here on earth. But in 1 Corinthians 15, 7, there's a little scripture in here that's very fascinating. It says, then he, Jesus, appeared to or spent time with James and afterward to all the apostles. This is when Jesus rose in those 40 days in there. Paul says that Jesus appeared to or spent time with James. This is James, his brother. There was a restoration that happened there. Acts chapter 1 verse 14 says they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. At that point, between the time of the resurrection and the time that Jesus ascended into heaven, his brothers became believers. Now, Jesus's brother, James, is the author of the book of James in the Bible. And most scholars believe that the book of Jude is written by his brother, Jude or Judas. And I just want to say that God showed me these things about his brothers, uh, maybe about three years, four years, maybe after Becca died. And... Our family had become splintered with, with Becca's death. The siblings were really struggling, a few of them. I have five children. Becca's the oldest. And God used these scriptures to give me hope and to pray into for my own splintered family and how my children were struggling after their sister's death and struggling even in their relationships with each other. 
So if that has happened to you, if that's been one of those unexpected domino effects in your family, then I just encourage you, there is restoration and healing coming that we can pray into. The second thing is that God gave Jesus to Mary, knowing the heartache that she would have with his death. That, it's, yeah, I'm going to say that again. God gave Jesus to Mary to be her son, knowing the heartache that Mary would have with his death. Now, we know that we each have an appointed time to die. Our days on earth are numbered. And God knew those days when he placed your child in your womb. But he chose you to nurture that child and be his or her parent for those number of days that were appointed to your child. Now, here's my question. Would you rather that God had chosen someone else and left you never knowing your precious son or daughter? Would you rather have the time that you did with your son or daughter, knowing how short it was going to be and how painful it was going to be when he or she died? Would you rather have had that time and be his or her parent? Or would you rather that God had chosen someone else to be the parent of that child that's no longer here? I think most of us can say, I'll take the pain. I'm thankful that I had my son or my daughter for the time that I did. So that's just another thing that I believe that we can learn and get a a different view maybe through Mary, that God gave Jesus to Mary knowing the heartache she would have with his death. And God did the same for us because our days are numbered. And I can still be thankful even within that horrible pain that I had Becca for the years that I did. And the third thing is that the last mention of Mary that I read is in the upper room with the other believers in in the book of Acts, chapter 1. And I believe that this is an example to us that life can be worth living again. Mary knew she would see her son again. And we have that exact same hope. I want to encourage you to fight your way out of the grief Don't choose to remain stuck in your child's death, but learn and fight for it. Learn how to live in a way that honors the life of your child. And just like the Holy Spirit showed up in that upper room for those who are waiting for him, I believe the Holy Spirit will show up for you. He will comfort you. And he'll not only comfort you, but he'll give you the strength to live out your life here with meaning and purpose until it's time to join your child child and Mary and Jesus in heaven. So I hope there have been some nuggets in here for you, some things maybe that you didn't realize thinking about Mary as the mother of Jesus and what she went through in her lifetime, being the mother of the Son of God, being the mother of a child that was born for the purpose of dying to give his life for others. And with that, Let's go on to our weekly birthday segment. First of all, we have Greg London, who was born on April 4th and is forever 34. Michael Rhodes was born on April 11th and is forever 18. Malish Caspian Arova was born on April 11th and is forever nine weeks old. Megan Small was born on April 11th, and Megan is forever 21. 
We celebrate with these families the day that these children came into the world and into the lives of these families. If you would like to have your child's birthday shared with the other listeners, all you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. There'll be a form, fill it out, submit it. I'll get the information and I will add your child to the birthday segment the week of his or her birthday. Did you know that you can receive a weekly Word of Hope email from us here at GPS Hope? If you want to join over a thousand other parents who are being encouraged by this weekly word, just go to gpshope.org and submit your name and email either in the gray box that pops up or scroll down to the black bar halfway down the page. There you'll see a place to put in your name and email. And if you put it in there, we will send you a PDF of 30 ways to bring yourself comfort and take care of yourself. And while you're there on the website, be sure to take a look under the donate button on how you can have your child's name put on a heart decal and join the others on the Hope Mobile, which is our 38-foot motorhome that Dave and I live in. Or look under that tab, the donate tab, and see how you can sponsor a podcast episode in memory of your child. Now, we're listener-supported, and we like to find ways where your support of this podcast or the support of the Ministry of GPS Hope is also a way for your child to be acknowledged and remembered. This is a week we're all reminded that Jesus conquered death. He died to take the punishment for our sins and to take the shame that resulted in those sins. But then three days later, he came out of that grave, defeating death. And when 1 Corinthians 15, 55 says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? We know where the sting is. Just like Mary, it's like a sword piercing our heart. But once we arrive in heaven, that sting, that sword will be permanently removed and his victory will become our victory as we're with him and with our child and those we love forever. But until that time, we can fight our way out of the darkness. We can learn how to live a life of meaning and purpose again, not in spite of our child's death, but because of his or her life. So hold on, pain eases, and one day that pain will end. There is hope.